And what's so freaking great about it is it achieves all of that before the heist. It's ticked yeah. all these boxes for him before. It's already an amazing film. And it's it's wound up this sucker punch. They've been winding up their arm the whole movie. And then it actually delivers as well. And when he gets back in the car and just sprays vomit over the dashboard, it's like, yes, this is a this was worth it. This has been worth the ride. <laughs> All your little speeches. You're nothing but a common thing. Hi everybody, I'm Sam. Welcome back to the Exceptional Thieves podcast, a show where Isaac and I review and rewrite movies. And today, we have a special one. I saw American Animals for the first time, and I just sat in silence watching most of the credits in awe of how good this film is. And so a few days later, I dragged Isaac along to see it again, and in this episode, we sit down immediately afterwards to try and exorcise the powerful experience of this movie. Spoilers ahead. If you've been enjoying the podcast, you can connect with us on Twitter at at ExceptionalPod. Okay, thanks for listening. Enjoy. Now I must correct you, Isaac, that is not a table, that is a bar cart. Ooh. You'll notice the wheels that will allow you to push it up and down an old-timey train and serve drinks to fancy people. But you'd be hunched, unless you were small. You would be hunched. Call to your mind someone pushing a bar cart. Yeah, but... I think you'll find they're hunched. In my personal preference, if I were to push a bar cart, I would yeah. rather stand straight... But... ...and look nice, push the cart at this height. But it's not so up... It's not about your preference, Isaac. You are a member of the service industry. Exactly. So but you have no say over the angle of your an spine. Have you ever seen an uncomfortable bartender behind a bar? Not behind, we're not talking about behind a bar. Though. We're yes, talking about but, bar carts. But well, any bar man or woman will tell you they're worlds apart. Cheers. <laughs> Friends of ours just had a baby. Fuck yeah. And. They were, she was in labour for a long time, like days. Days of labour, Jesus. Yeah, it was, very, it was kind of complicated. And while we were sort of waiting for updates from them, and at one point while we were waiting for updates while they were in labour with their first baby, Emma and I were assembling our bar cart. And we, we were just commenting on how much we liked our lives. Of the like, babiness. We have different priorities. Yeah. And then we went to see them at the hospital today. And they told us all about the baby and everything that happened, how everything was going. And they were like, what's going on with you guys? And we're like, got a bar cart. <laughs> got it set up. It's looking pretty good. Um, so, it? yeah, so things are going pretty well on our end as well. Everything's going pretty well. <laughs> I like this. I'm, I'm happy for you. All right. I think I'm recording. 
American animals. There are a lot of species of animal that reside in America. Should we introduce our podcast? Because we've never done that so far. We just You know, that's probably a good idea. We just start talking, which I've kind of liked. I don't mind it. But what should we say? I'd like to say our names. Okay. Hello, I'm Sam. I'm Archibald. <laughs> and, okay. And <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Hi. 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 I'm Sam. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to the nine o'clock news. So we'll say so we'll say our names. This is Exceptional Thieves, a podcast. Oh, that's, that's the name of our podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A podcast about movies. I think we it's need a podcast something... about our opinions of movies. Not movies right. themselves. I feel like that's okay. Because like if it was about movies, we would literally just explain the plot just, of the film. Well we do do that. We do, but often. then we also like nitpick a shit ton. Sure. But we can't nitpick too much because then we will just be the nitpicking. great podcast called Mostly Nitpicking, which anyone who's listening to this who wants to hear a better version of this podcast should just listen to that. Well, obviously, yeah. Um, but, okay. It's, um, well, no, we're, we're about criticising and rewriting movies as well. Right. We just haven't done any of the rewrites yet. No. Yet. So it's Welcome to Exceptional Thieves, a movie review podcast for now. Currently. I'm Sam and this is Isaac. Hi, I'm Isaac. And today we are talking about the film we just saw. Well, Isaac just saw. I was seeing it for the second time. Which, which was... It's sli- which a was, slight betrayal, but... Which was okay. absolutely okay the move. And we've just left the cinema and here we are to talk about it. So, Isaac, what did you think? Let us know what you think about American Animals. I, um... I enjoyed American Animals. The movie that came out... Going in knowing absolutely nothing. You knew nothing about it at all. You knew nothing about it. I was it. very excited about that. I was hoping that was the case. And that is, the, that was the case. Because I wanted to just present this to you. It's a very rare thing that I don't know something about a film. Though. Well, exactly. Mm, which I like. It's only on at one cinema. In the, one cinema in, 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 the, in, the, in the whole city. In the whole town. That's why we were there. And the first time I tried to go and see this film, they were sold out. Jeez. They're when, small theatres. When was it made? It came out, just, in Australia, it just came out a few weeks ago. Yeah. But it, is it a new film, or is it yeah, like yeah. chilling it's for an, three years and then... No, it's a new film. Okay. It's a new film. Um, and for anyone listening, massive spoilers. This is a conversation for people who have seen the film. As I most of our conversations are. Just pause the podcast hmm. and then go see it. First of all, I would very strongly recommend you see this film if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, actually. I enjoyed it. I... Uh, which is a new thing for me because I very rarely enjoy films. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty anti-film yeah, overall. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. You're known for your strong anti-film stance. I am. That's a lie. What did you think, man? It wasn't what I expected in that it was ex- awesome. extremely realistic. You weren't expecting that on the basis like, of the trailer? I wasn't expecting it on the or? basis of that it's a heist film mm-hmm. about some college kids... Mm-hmm. running a heist I was expecting it to just be comedy heist film but mm-hmm. based in realism and that it was a, a proper thing mm-hmm. based you had, on a true you story. had moments of it's not based on a true story Isaac I didn't just say that it you said that it is a true story yes it is. this is not based on a true story it is I think even though you could say that's kind of lame it also very accurately captures for me what is distinctive about this film yeah. and why it's something special because there's such a simple premise. And the premise isn't heist movie. The premise, it's so simple, it just sets this movie apart, is what, they just ask the question, what would it actually be like 
to do a heist. To be the people. In the if world. you are college students who aren't embedded in the world of crime or whatever, no. and aren't used to, to violence be or anything who like you that, you would consider a nice person. Yeah. Yeah. And also, just shooting really, really quite to the end, just regular people. Like, yep. like yeah, it's affected them, mm. but you can tell that real rehabilitation works because they would have just been in there. Like, it well, did they, did they need rehabilitation? Well, no, they have, like, yeah, they've done something terrible mm. to one person more than anybody else and mm-hmm. mostly to themselves, but it's affected them a lot and you can mm. see that. Yeah. And it's... Mm. It's intense, man. I love how just morally murky and ambiguous this whole movie is. Because yeah. I've read a couple of negative reviews by people who are wrong, who <laughs> seemed to have an instinctive negative reaction to it because they felt like this film was attempting to exculpate the perpetrators. It was a sort of a redemption but story for those four guys. Exactly. I didn't get that from it at all. No. It makes it complicated because, like, yes, they did a bad thing, but they obviously feel very bad about it. But they just should have just fucking thought through what it was they were about to do. Yeah. But also, they were very young, but also not that young. And it doesn't let you come down easily on one side of it or the other. It definitely doesn't make you think, oh, yeah, I can understand why they did that. They deserve a second chance. They didn't really have a reason to do it. That's why. No. Like, they're just yep. living. And that it's just a spur... Well, not spur at the moment, but... Spur of the... A time in their lives. I love their... Well, like... The first... The, our window into the story, which is Dunkirk guy. Guy from Dunkirk, yeah. Who... Fantastic. Great American as well. accent. I love... All of the main four, I think, are just magnificently cast. And I absolutely love I'm their performances. I'm right now. Okay. Continue talking. I cannot get over... Any of the four of them. Dunkirk, Quicksilver, um, other guy, hipster social network guy, and Winklevoss twin. They're all magnificent. And Dunkirk, who brings us into the story, his motivation for doing it, where he's sort of artistic and he's wanting that sort of distinctive experience. Um, him and his relationship with uh, Warren, it's very reminiscent of things like On the Road. And uh, sort of those Kerouacian attempts to throw off the chains of society and convention and all things that hold us back from being our best selves. And then I think in that way, it's a very sort of 1960s narrative, which I think is reflected in the soundtrack. There's lots of um, sort of 1960s era music, uh, sort of harkening back to that kind of rebellious attitude. But so often in films, they sort of set that up as, oh, we're going to try and break out of the system. But what actually happens is all just kind of piss weak. Like, you end up breaking out of the system by writing really good poetry or writing a really good book. And I feel like this is just something that's more suited to our age, which is, no, now to break out of the system, you need to do something insane and somehow violent. Like, they actually follow through on it. But that's that's what the archetype has become. Like, for these guys to do it, it's not enough for him to paint some nice paintings. Like, in the you have to era of something intense. Yeah, in more sort of Woodstock era, there was so much open ground waiting to be covered in terms of art that you could be a really radical, unconventional artist and you yeah. are suddenly having these strange and unusual experiences. But now, I think we sort of feel like there's nowhere to go in that direction. So, their option is violent crime. 
And I think there's something there about what life is like but in also, the current age. I guess I'm really struggling to even unpack everything <laughs> I think and feel about this movie. I've been thinking about it non-stop since I saw it the first time. <sighs> Go on. I'm really glad that you're finding such enjoyment out of this intense film. And it was quite an intense it's film. so intense. Because but, a heist would be intense. Yeah, to, to like... Oof, yes. But they don't... It's not that big of a heist or that exciting no. of anything. There's no threat to their lives at any point within no. the film, um, except for some things that they put upon themselves. Like, yeah. like, it's just the way the sound editing, just the way they've made the film mm-hmm. has just made, it just seems as intense as it would be. Well, it's such a brilliant example of storytelling where you don't make your story more intense by upping the stakes. No. You make your story more intense by upping the stakes in relation to the kind of characters you have. So if your characters are Iron Man and Captain America, then you have to go epic with your stakes. You have to get a piece of the world, send it up into the sky and let it fall down and they have to stop that. Yeah, Exactly, for it to have an impact on those characters. But you can have a story that's as intense, I think it's obviously much more intense than in your Marvel movies, by scaling your characters down to real world and then putting the stakes, you know, the same distance above them, mm. where where it's they finally realise that it's their futures that they're it's they're their, gambling with their entire mm. lives, yeah. and it's their entire life. Like it's not someone else's mm. life; it's just everything from this point on. And mm-hmm. there's that that pinpoint where each of them realises mm-hmm. that this is their exact their entire future is going to be based on this one moment. Yeah. And it's a decision that they clearly make. Mm-hmm. This is all. This film is also really about film and storytelling. Oh God, yeah. Um, I think part of that has come from the fact that the director Bart Layton. This is his first dramatic film. What has he made big, before? Then? His big thing before this was he's a, he's a documentary maker. Okay. So you he, can he see made that come out. Yeah, he made a very famous documentary called The Imposter, which is really good, which has some dramatic reenactments. And then this kind of the genius of it is it's a documentary where you just um, expand the dramatic reenactment part of the documentary to where it's most of it's the like, documentary. It's like a dramatic reenactment with little bits of documentary yeah. thrown in there, yeah. So, and the characters are obviously so, are sort of interpreting their lives through films and through stories. They're trying to make their lives fit the narrative of, you know, the young man who has a transformative experience. Who needs a transformative Who yeah. thinks he needs who thinks he is transformed this and who has it and who then becomes someone special and important. It's very much a millennial thing of we're all told we're special and important. So they're sort of contending with that. And so then they try to get, they try to meet that narrative by fitting themselves into a different sort of narrative archetype of being a criminal, of being an effective heister, which they're also not. So they sort of fail to achieve both these things by trying to do, by trying to do both of them. And, there's so many just filmic references throughout the whole movie. Things like we're going to need a, we're going to need a bigger boat. There's yeah. the recreation of the scene of the shot from The Dark Knight, where you know the first shot of the Joker is he's holding the Joker mask in a bag, and the car pulls up in front of him. Yes. The, mm-hmm. When he guys when they go to the heist, they recreate that shot. So that's like you know a famous heist scene. There's so much like that. Yeah, coming down. Someone is just leaving the table, everybody, because we've ordered a pizza, because. Pizza is delicious, and 
I can't honestly think of anything better to go with a movie discussion than pizza delivered by a guy named Dennis. Welcome to this episode of Ernest the Chihuahua Terrifies Another Delivery Man. <laughs> Every time we open the door to a delivery man, Ernest bolts out and the delivery man thinks it's a weird, creepy little creature. Or an escape attempt. Well, it's a kind of escape attempt. Man, pizza smells that. good. Um, we were talking about how... how it, it's film, a film about film in a lot of ways. It's an homage to film. Mm. And we have these... Ideas of what a human life can or should be like, even though you all know it's kind of fake. Oh. It's kind of like the George Clooney, Brad Pitt model yeah. of being an adult or being a man, I guess, in a way. And just how that doesn't work, how that's not a good way to live your life, how that's not effective, <laughs> how these aren't role models that really can play a good, an effective role for us. Um, so yeah, it's about all of that as well. God damn, there's so much going on in this film. This looks like good pizza. I love pizza. how the decisions they make, mm. looking back on it, you can see, yeah, that's why they'd make that decision and why it would be such an intense thing. But if you take a step back and look at the heist they actually plan, it is way too convoluted. It's such a terrible heist. And it's This is a building, an old building... And they've clearly stated the only security system that they have for this area, the the special items unit or whatever the it is. The restricted section. The restricted section of the, of the school is motion sensors at night time and a locked door. Swipe card. A swipe card locked door. You could cut the power to the building. Aunt, Aunt Lydia. There is a, a sunlight in that room. I'm pretty sure that room had a sunlight. Okay. You could just break in and steal it at, in the middle of the night. Like, I know that's simple and alarms would go well, off. Well, hang on. Leave. Okay, so okay, so let's do this part of it. Obviously, it's a terrible heist. And I think a lot of this... You, you, you can kind of look at this and go, why did they do that? Why did they do that? Because I'm assuming this is pretty fucking accurate. Mm. But I think a lot of it is, what are they, 19, 20? 20? Well, 21, because they're drinking in bars. But he also says... Did you... Have you lost your fake ID already? Mm. Yeah. So I think they must be under 21 because they've just they've just started college. It's year one or year two of college. And they don't... So I think, yeah, you just sort of... Yeah, if you were 19 and trying to do this, you'd do a shitty job. Even though they think they're doing a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what would your version of this heist be? You're going to plan the heist. I would literally steal do it at night time. It's on a college campus. They have college security. That's not hard to just time what, what time that dude's going to be walking past the building. So you'd be getting on the roof. Let's assume there's a sunlight. You're... I would break into the building. I'd cut the power. It's not that difficult to cut power to a building or a Isn't block. it? No. How do you do that? I don't know. The hard line. Where your the... house connects to the power pole. If I just break that. How do you get up there? I don't have to get up there. I just have to get something to pull that apart. Something at the top of a power pole. Not necessarily a power pole. Sometimes they're underground. But you can locate where it if is. If it's underground, that would be even harder. There is a box that comes to your building and gives you power. It'd be a box on the building. There would be a box you'd on the building. You'd mess with. And you could just... Okay, okay, so... This is just my spitballing here. I'm, 
Okay, I'm but not a criminal. but you're talking in a very confident way. You're talking I like you. I can do this. You're talking very confidently. It's a delicious and pizza. the confidence, I think, is what undid them in a lot of ways. Okay, so there's a box out, on. I would cut the power. There's a power box on the building, and you go in there and you fuck with that, and you cut the power. Okay, okay. There now, are no motion sensors. Sure, but also uh, the alarm is immediately raised because there's security there. Yeah, but is there security there? Not one point did they mention nighttime security. There's just a okay. dude leaving in the middle. Maybe there's of the night. not. It's campus security, so we will assume they have. I think there's there's ca- there's campus security. Maybe it's not library specific. Yeah. If you could cut the power to only the library and there's no one in there, then you would have some leeway time. I would break in, and there's stairs to get upstairs. I would go in through the basement because they said there's an entrance into the basement via a fire escape. I didn't fully understand why they can't find that. Um, like just no... in, in the film because it's so dark they don't have a torch yeah they don't have a torch and I don't think they went to and the and they don't basement. have phones with torches because it's 2004 I don't think they went to the basement before the heist they just assumed mm. from the basement you could get to that fire fire. but just, just know where it is know which wall it's on no, and yeah, go no, and feel around the general general direction oh, there's no one down there you've got a minute the fact that they panicked so quickly as well I think that's what undid them in getting the bigger books out there yeah oh Warren turns out to be an absolutely terrible person to be leading your heist because he immediately is screaming and not coping with what he's just done at yeah. all, which is a completely understandable. That's but a completely also, realistic. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> also, the worst case scenario for your heist. So I'd cut the building, cut the power, and I would break in at a time. Like if if you if you cut the if the building doesn't have singular power in a box that you can take out. I would find a way to take out the power to the entire block. That way, if you break into one part of that block, no one has to know where you're breaking in. Like, like the if if you've taken the power out to an entire section of the university, yeah, then you could just be doing your shit over over here at the library, mm-hmm. and they could just be investigating power outages, just thinking something's okay. shorted out. Sure. So we've got the power to the whole block. Everyone's like, oh, I wonder what's going on. It's becoming a bigger heist, but this is a simpler heist. You're going in through... In my the, mind. You're going in through the, the basement door. Into the basement door, up the stairs, yeah. break those glass doors. They're just glass doors. You're just going to smash them? I'm just going to smash them. All right. I'm just going to get in and out. I'll have five the keys. the keys probably wouldn't be in there anyway, would they? No. I'm eating this pizza, everybody. It's delicious. It's good pizza. Could you pick the lock? Why would I bother it's picking the lock? It's just the key. Because, Isaac, here's the little flourish I'm going to put on it. Okay. All right. That book sits there open at one page. One of the members of our team, Dunkirk, is an artist. We're going to make a fucking replica of that book. No one's going to even know the book's been taken until someone looks at it again. So you've... So we're going in at night still. You, you can do your whole plan. If you can pick that lock, you're inserting your book. Next morning, everyone's like, oh, it could even be a different page. You could totally get away with that. They'd be like, oh, the page is different. Lock, picking a lock is very difficult. Even with a lock-picking tool. I'm, I'm not saying this, though. But they could get a lock-picking tool from that shady bloke who they, they got the fence through. But because did they even get the fence through that guy? Well, he was a couple of steps away, but I feel like that guy would know someone who could get you a lock-picking tool. Yeah, yeah I would assume. But or just what dark if web? you break one panel of get glass Get the social network guy to go dark web. Huh? Just one pa- The door panel of glass on the box? Mm-hmm. If you break that, no need to pick the lock, and just have a piece of perspex cut. And glue it into, mm. in, glue it into place. Yep. It doesn't have to be glass, just clear perspex. Yep. 
and you can just glue that's that into good. place. No one's going to look that close at it until like hours, it'll, days later. It'll give you hours. Mm. Yeah. BJ, she, she'll get to work and she'll just be like, yeah, good old poor, poor old BJ never has to be involved at all. No. That's what I like about your nighttime plan. Okay. Wrap the book in, then what? Then it's not violent crime as well. Yeah. This is just theft. Because I'm, if we ever plan a heist, Sam. Yeah. If people are involved, I'm out. Okay. So, you know, you're on your own. Right. Wow. I'm not, okay. to, I'm not up for violent crime, right? Okay, okay. Unless they're criminals, in which case we would be What? Violated. Okay, here's a question for you. What counts as violence? Any harm, physical or mental, that goes towards somebody else. Okay. Bugger, you said mental. Because I've got a version of this. Are you where... going to hypnotise BJ? No, I'm not. But. There's... BJ is the old lady who protects the books. Yeah. Gooch. Gooch. We're not the... calling her Gooch, though. The Gooch. BJ Gooch. What a wonderful... Imagine that be a nickname. Has anyone brought up with her the fact that her name is BJ and that's awkward? The fact that her nickname... Yeah. The, the chosen name she goes she by... She calls it... Yeah. The, is may, BJ. You may not want to introduce yourself to university students... As BJ. <laughs> who are most of the people you interact with but as BJ. Is calling yourself BJ better than calling yourself the Gooch? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what she could call herself? Betty. Like, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's a fine name. <laughs> Why are we having such a go at the poor woman who got horribly assaulted? That's not appropriate. <laughs> Sorry, um, BJ. I do respect you. One of my favorite bits of the film, she gets the last word. I think that's so nice. I like that. Too. They held her back. Mm. They didn't. They cut to her they once. Showed, yeah, they showed her just face sipping, once. sipping the coffee. And then mm. she, her opinion of them gets to be the last thing that's said. I think that's the final. Which is the most important opinion. Yeah, I think that's the final mm. nail in the coffin of the people who are trying to say this is trying to... Um, give redemption to the perpetrators. Mm. Like, well, no, it's structured it's so It's just that... telling the story of what happened. It, and it doesn't glamorise what they did at oh, all. No. Like, that's the thing. It shows what they did in the worst possible light. And and it shows you how intense it affected yeah. them. And the fact that it's so light-hearted and funny early on makes it worse. Yeah. Because it makes you realise how you could have gone along with it and how you could have enjoyed it. And then if you were as just sort of morally lax and non-assertive as they were... You could also have participated in something that turns out to be way more horrible than you even thought it was going to be. And it does get horrible. It gets so horrible. Like, Other terrible things about their heist, the old men makeup. Even if it looked really good, which it doesn't, their things are like the most the most invisible thing to they be as the old. most conspicuous people in that library. The most divisible thing to be isn't to be old on a university campus <laughs> <laughs> where everyone is young. Be just another university student, for yeah. goodness sake. Um, just so, here's my version of the heist. Okay, so, night time. We, well, don't even worry about the day of the heist yet. Okay. This is We're going to start in way before. We're going to have a member of our team who's not even going to be there on the Wait, day of the heist. are you seducing BJ? Isaac, you know how my mind works. No. <laughs> for once, I'm not suggesting we seduce a librarian. There's a member of our team, they're not even going to be on the day of the heist, so BJ will never um, identify them. Their only job is to go in there and learn about the place. Okay. Hello, Miss Gooch. I'm a big fan of these books. I'm, to, I'm working on a book about something. I'm going to be coming in a couple of times a week. We're going to develop a relationship with Miss Gooch. They're going to start, they're going to learn everything about the interior of the room. They're going to know exactly where the keys are. So we're going to know they're around her neck when we go in. They're going to pay attention when she unlocks the cabinet so we know what kind of key we're looking for when we go to unlock the cabinet. Colour and because size of the key. she offers to change a pane. Exactly. So exactly. if they've taken up that offer, 
you yeah, would know could, where the keys are. Could you open the cabinet for me, please? Mm-hmm. If she ever takes them off, where does she put them? Mm-hmm. Does she ever leave the room? Does she ever leave you alone with the books? If so, wh- where does she go? Yeah. Does she ever go out the back? Can you follow her out the back for some reason because you've developed such a strong friendship with her because you have a shared love of these books? All this is going to be going on for a couple of months ahead of time. It's 2004, so you don't have phone cameras, but they're taking pictures of the room somehow, you know, just to get a little extra detail. Let's put this as now. We're doing this now. If we're doing this now, then you're definitely doing that. If you're filming the whole thing, mm-hmm. you want, you, you're getting as much information as, about out the back as possible. See, that's the thing. They knew that it went to an elevator, but what? how do they know there was not going to be just somebody sitting out their back? Exactly. So many holes in the plan. In my plan, we cut that whole bit out. So, um, in my plan, we're not going to have duplicate book because it wouldn't work. I I still wouldn't do this (laughs) because it's still horrible for Miss Gooch, but the best way to navigate that process... I'm from my viewing of crime television is a you have to be very calm <laughs> and you have you so you're just going to get a gun doesn't have to be real it's a convincing fake gun I don't think Miss Gooch is going to be an expert on guns a convincing fake gun you're going to go in so the person who's been in there getting all the information they're gone now a new person shows up for their appointment hello they're going to come in Wait till she's sitting down behind the desk. Then you're just standing up on the desk. You're going to produce the gun. So no one behind you can see you. You go, hello. I need you to stay calm. We're going to steal some of the books. If you don't scream or do anything, you're not going to be hurt. You're going to be fine. Just sit down on the floor there. She's going to sit down behind the desk. You're going to put a piece of tape over her mouth. And you're going to blindfold her. So when anyone else comes in, she can't identify them. So she can only identify the one person. She's sat down. She's not getting pushed over. She's not getting electrocuted. There's no per se violence even though this is still very violent and horrible that's got to be the best way to it's do it it's got to be the calmest way you think yeah so everything's fine just sit down you're, you're not manhandling her you're not pushing someone over you're not chloroforming them so she's still fully awake she's still breathing our mole in the last couple of weeks has figured out whether she's got any breathing problems or heart problems or anything I reckon the mole you know my grandma's got COPD you ever have any experience with that Miss <laughs> Gooch blah 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 so now we know if there's anything we have to be worried about okay I'd be taking a oxygen saturation monitor, putting that on her finger the whole time if there's a bit of tape over her mouth because that's concerning. Um, Is it? But the other thing I was going to do. An oxygen saturation monitor. Yeah, you can buy those on eBay. Okay. I was checking this time to see if there were blinds on the door you could pull down, but there weren't. Mm. If there were, we're pulling those blinds with a back in five minutes sign on the glass. Miss mm, Gooch. Am I right? Is in the dunny. Yeah, she's back in five minutes. No one else is trying to come in. So that's done. Then we're you taking got, the keys. Got, got we're taking the book. Now, now our two other people show up who are playing a part of our heist. And these guys are wearing the kind of thing that no one ever questions. Janitor's clothes. High-vis. High-vis. They're wearing high-vis vests. One of them's holding a clipboard. And they're carrying a big box, with a t- which is a TV box. Mm-hmm. We've measured this. Because it's the same size as the motherfucking it's books. It's fit them books. It's going to fit them books it's, in. It's all fit them books. So they're walking up. Everyone says, oh, they're delivering the TV or something. Like, that's weird, but they're doing it in broad it daylight. It is a library. I guess that's this fine. is a university. Yeah. There'd be TVs. In they go. Blah, yeah, come on in. Books in there. They close the box up. They just walk back out the fucking front door with that box full of books. Thank you very much. The original guy puts the other smaller books in a bag he's got. He walks out. You're back in the car, you're driving away, you call the police, tell them to go and get poor Miss Gooch. Job done. 
She can still identify that one person. That's the biggest hole in the plan. What if that one person is the only person with a disguise? They take him home yes. that night, shave his head. Yes, but like light disguised. So you're not going to... Yeah, not too much. Glasses. Like, oh, look, there's a guy with a disguise. Yeah, glasses, maybe. If maybe a, Yeah, so they've grown glasses, a beard. facial hair, long hair. Shave, shave all that. Yeah, absolutely. You look like a different person. Without yeah. eyebrows, mm. no one could recognise us. <laughs> See, That's it, it is, yes, the safest heist, but it still involves Miss Gooch. Still involves poor Miss Gooch. See, I recommend. What I, I was trying to think is there a way you, you could get her to go out the back and do something while you take the books? Even? What I would, I would recommend is the person who's befriending Miss Gooch takes a library internship, works at the library, becomes nice Ooh. friends with Miss Gooch. And then on the day of the heist, Miss Gooch is guarding the sick. books. So no one's guarding the books. There's an appointment to see these books. Miss Gooch can't get there. Who does she call? Mm. Her friend, the intern, and said, look, these people are coming in. I need you to be there. Sign the book. That person is the person you point the guns at. Doesn't matter. He's your best friend. Yeah. Tie him up. <laughs> He's had a really traumatic... He or yeah. she has had a really <laughs> traumatic experience. Miss Gooch feels terrible for taking the day sick. Mm-hmm. Although you're, you're, you'll have organised this. Mm. And then nobody has any yeah. sort of violence towards them. Now it's just her feeling bad about it, which is pretty bloody minimal. And I feel like Gooch should be able to get over that. I mean, come exactly. on. Exactly. Exactly. And Gooch That's just... very good. And the other, the other important part of that is, let's not put any clock on this whole operation. No, because you've got a whole day. They were like, it's got to be the second last day of semester. No, it doesn't. Do it in two years' time. Who cares? Like, mm-hmm. just, it takes as long as it takes. Yeah, it's a good job, too. Risk. Working in a library. Yeah. You get a good internship out of that, a little bit of dosh. Mm-hmm. And then it that tides you over. you got a safe little area. You get in. I'm patient. The thing I totally identified with, apart from everything in this film, <laughs> was when the the real life Dunkirk guy mm. was saying that um, when you've crossed that line, there's never a time in your life when you haven't crossed that line. Mm-hmm. That's what you don't get when you're young and stupid, is the permanency of your actions and how long you're going to be alive for and how long the consequences of stuff you do now will affect you for. Yeah. You just, you just, you it's just, a real good line. You're just living, you know, and you're like, oh, let's do this, let's do that, whatever. And you don't think about if I do this, decades of experience that I have to live through <laughs> are going to be deeply affected by it. And there's, and this never goes away. That was, a, that was fantastic. I'd like to know how much of that was not scripted, but I feel like maybe they'd said it before. And then they were like, that was a good bit of the interview we did with you. Can you say it again now for the mm. camera? It would have been a little. Like all the, you edit things obviously to make things more dramatic, but the pauses where they just like look at the camera or look away and they're thinking about stuff. That was good. That's real good, but it would be taken out of context. Like if it, if you look back at filmmaking, probably yeah, taking that it it works, but and I loved the way they did those interviews though, and then the interview set, and he moves and it's just showing Talking you where they're living, what more. their lives are like. I like the stuff at the beginning where there's the conversations about who remembers what and who's right, mm-hmm. but they didn't overdo that as well. No. It's interesting because they kind of just sort of drop that. It's not really a part of the theme of like whose memory is correct. That kind of gets dropped, but it's still just like that's a not nice what the thing. Movie's concentrating on. No, it's just sort of like an extra added thing, mm. uh, but it's quite nice. I like the bit they um, put in at the end. 
to say, we have no proof that he went and did all these things and yeah. actually had... Um, I have a theory, though, that he must have done that, or he must have at least spoken to someone, because they only, they got caught, apart from a bunch of other stuff, because of their trying to get it evaluated at Christie's. Mm. And they only did that because the guys in Amsterdam told Quicksilver that they had to do it. Yeah. You know, so but he he wouldn't could have had a local buyer. He could have just said Amsterdam. He could have said Amsterdam, Someone or he could have just he could have just read that online. It's un yeah. It's it's weird though. Yeah. I don't know. Like, why would he have made that up? Exactly. Exactly. I don't understand what he got like, out of pretending. No, there's no. Um, I feel like that proof of mal- malicious intent against his friends for him to have to make things up about about no. what they're doing because like he had, apart from having them, he has no reason to want to steal this. Like that, their lives aren't terrible. No. Like, they're just living life. So he's got no, like, debt or nothing mm. forcing him to yeah. steal these. I think that's what's so powerful about this is... Yeah, their lives aren't terrible. Mm. But they are kind of shit. They're boring. Like, his life is kind of lame and boring. Mm. And that's... You know, there's so many people in the world for whom that would be so, so nice if that was their biggest problem. But when that is your problem, it's, it's a problem that I kind of identify with where it, it's a question you're asking yourself when you're that age, which is like, is this it? You is know, this what my life is like? Now? Is this what my life is like? Is this, have I hit the plateau See, that's already? that's the thing though. When you're young, you think about that. You think, my life is at this peak. This is, this is, is this, is this it? Is this what I'm going to be like forever? But like looking back at anything, you know that that's not true. Yeah. But when you're that age, you don't, you think about like that this is it forever, mm. but you don't think about that this is it forever. Like, if you do something, that's it forever. You've done that. Mm-hmm. So you don't think of consequences. You just think of, like, the boring reality and that. Yeah. You, you know, think about the monotony side of it. You think the monotony and you don't think about anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't picture the future as much as you try. Yeah. See, this is, this is also so much about... Just, you can have that piece if you want. You sure? It's, yeah. It's just about the bargain we make with society on such like a super broad general level d- sort of the 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 social contract that people enter into as they grow up in life that I agree to abide by these rules and to live this kind of life and how that negotiating the line of where that is unsat when that is unsatisfactory and when you just need to accept it if it's unsatisfactory and like sorry life isn't what you wanted it to be and that's just what it is because if you try to make it something else through these extreme measures you'll end up in a kind of hell basically you will but I like yeah it's a personal hell that you've given yourself mm. you're in purgatory for you're just dwelling on something that you've done yeah you well you'll end up in jail yeah and your family and, and you'll destroy your, your family and but you will have hurt other people and... I like to think that most people if their lives are quite depressing or um, boring you don't have to do something like this to be excited there are a lot of things you could do to be excited you don't have to do something like this but you get it I understand you know what I mean exactly the fact that we understand is really important I think but the, the fact, fact that, that the audience watching this movie is like I would never do this but I get what they're saying like, is super important because it's showing something that's underneath the surface 
of all the people who are making up society and running it and acting normal. Yeah. Who are all like, I would kind of like to electrocute a librarian and steal a book as well. But the, that's the thing about the film, though. They make this decision to, to steal something and to hurt somebody. And mm. that's another thing that makes the film... It's not showing them in a good light. No. It's because you can see it. Yeah, you want to make your life more exciting, but you decide to do something violent and something terrible. You're not a nice person. Mm. Like as much as but you it's it, that's also blurry though because it never feels like they really decide to do something violent. Even though in practice they obviously you can had, see that they just don't talk about. The they violence. don't talk about it. They talk around it. They say mm. she's going to be neutralized. Like until they do it, you don't know what they're going to do to mm-hmm. the librarian. A couple of times I'm like, are they planning to fucking kill the librarian? And these are all psychopaths or. And so, I like that he forgets. He forgets to buy the taser. Yes, isn't he that didn't interesting? Want to, yeah, and he just had to. No end. one bought the taser because no one accepted the responsibility of buying the taser because they mm-hmm. knew what they'd do with it. So, even though yes, they are culpable for having done something violent, it just complicates it by showing the details of how it actually came about. I think the other theme that's at play is the animals thing. It's called American Animals. They steal the origin of species. It's a paint. It, the, it's a book of paintings of animals. It, the movie starts off with sounds of the wilderness, like crickets and bird calls and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, and that comes up a few times. Normally, often I think when we're sort of seeing the interior of Dunkirk's mind in the a way lot of he ways, yeah. and that's his turning point to go through with the highest is when he has sort of the vision of the bird on the street. What do you think that's all about? Do you think he actually saw that bird? I don't think he actually saw that bird because you can't. There's no way that bird would be there in October. And also in lit Kentucky. In that way. Yeah. I think it's <laughs> about. I think it's. And I've. Like, this is what I love so much about this movie. It's taking me. I haven't figured out what I think or feel about it yet. I haven't been able to articulate it properly yet. I think it's partly yet about. Yet we're talking about it, right? Yet here we are. <laughs> I think it's partly about. I think it's partly about what they do in the film isn't, from a lot of perspectives, rational. No, they don't spend enough time thinking. And being rational is a big part of where we sort of hang our hat in terms of what being a human means. You know what I mean? I get you. So in a way, it's sort of hinting that humans are participating in or influenced by forces and urges and patterns of behavior that are beyond their control beyond their control but also characteristic of just organic life not humans in particular and so their engagement in this heist was in obedience to a principle which identifies them more with the animal kingdom than with the human civilization in which they find themselves embedded and deeply unsatisfied by. That's what I think it's kind of about. I, for me, I think that's the absolute heart of it. Okay. But that, all, that doesn't necessarily hold the whole way because um, in a way the heist is a product of very characteristically human neuroses and need for, need for something more need for something more a dissatisfaction that's born that 
is a product of human civilization. So it I, could kind of flow both ways, really, in that respect. I think it's a little bit more simple in that it's literally a film. Like, yeah, they've made some decisions and it's and their decisions are wrong, but it's a film about the four guys, or two of the guys at least, mm. and how that they clearly see what they did is wrong. And their way of making amends is to just attempt to move on with their lives. And you can tell, I think they've actually met Betty several times. Yeah, well he refers to her as BJ he, at the he end. He does call her BJ. Which, which means I think mm. they still, they're in touch. Because mm. I, think, I think he has the well, they And also he They're has, nice people. <laughs> well, they're trying to be nice you know, people. Well, no... Well, they're not, they're they are. People. The, you meet a nice person on the street that would be just like them. There's no way that nice person you meet couldn't have been them when they were 19. Like, that's what you're seeing in this movie. Mm. That any normal nice person could have gone through the steps that they went through I, to end up at I that like conclusion. I assume that our Dunkirk guy has spent the entire last however many, 14 years or whatever it is, mm-hmm. trying to be nice to Betty. Having a, having a correspondence. Because she still lives in the same city that he does. He calls her BJ. She's still guarding the books. She's still guarding the books. I like to think that he's attempted to make amends. I like to think that they're friends. Like, yeah. Because he wasn't directly involved with the harm that in, no. was inflicted upon Betty. Really, if he hadn't gone to Christie's, he could have almost not been arrested. Because the heist itself, he just sat outside with a pair of binoculars. Yep. He could just walk off and be like, I don't know what happened in there. <laughs> But also, nothing to if do with they it. didn't go to Christie's in the first place, what other what other links do they have to them, except for them booking the? They would have got them on the email, and if they had ever managed to fingerprint them, they would have got them because they touched everything. They did touch a lot of things. But Dunkirk didn't. Again, Dunkirk never no, went. He in, wasn't there. He didn't even go in the building. So. No. Um, I like that the arrest happened on the same. I also like that it didn't concentrate in any way, shape, or form on the investigation. It's yep. just they all got arrested. Well, that's the, the other thing I like about it is it doesn't really... Um, they, It shows their families, but it doesn't give you any strong relationships they have outside of the group. No. Which makes them it makes it feel very isolated, and there's no voice of reason. And it's there's, just their voices. Their whole world is now just this heist and these oh. four people. So you see their parents and stuff, but... They never have a conversation with another person that's meaningful throughout the whole film. No, it's the not only important any other conversations stories, yeah. they have is just the team, and so that makes it really makes you really feel as a viewer like there's no way out of this. Nothing exists outside of this group of people. The scene with the gun in the car is unbelievably intense. Yeah, the and rain is delivery, such a good. His delivery of that monologue, yelling at him, is perfect. Just, Isn't he great? I remembered where I found that, where I know that guy from. He was in Glee. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, he was. I was reading his Glee, Wikipedia yeah. page. Um, yeah, isn't he fucking brilliant? Just the one of the there are very few criticisms I could possibly think of for this movie, but one of them would be what I wanted and I didn't quite get was just a little bit more explanation of that guy, the Winklevoss twin, his motivation for being in the heist. Yeah. Because he objectively has so much going for him, more than the others, and he doesn't seem disenfranchised by life. He no. seems to love it. He's like, the system is great. I'm doing really well in it. I'm already rich. Yeah. This is all going really well for me. I presume his motivation was greed. 
one would assume. But they just didn't really show that. They're like, this guy has no Maybe reason to participate. the motivation of greed makes him more of a terrible person. Kind of does. Yeah. Yeah. If that is the motive. But I think they could have gotten away with just showing that. Like, this guy already has a load of money. He has all the advantages in the world. Yeah. And now he's been given the opportunity to get in on this thing and get a bunch more free cash. And he's just doing it. I kind of needed that because the whole time I was watching, I was like, why is, why is he there? As well. Why is he? Make him seem younger as well. Yeah. Why is he doing this? Mm. Make and any I, sense. I, I don't actually understand. And he was obviously. And he purchased a car with cash and a fake ID. Yeah. That's not the car they used for the heist. Isn't it? It was just a car they used to race across town a couple times. <laughs> oh, I thought that was the one they used for the heist. No. He purchased the little Range Rover thing. The and van. No, the Range Rover. Oh, okay. I and don't know. The little time trials they were doing, 14 minutes, that's with most green lights. Yeah. That little thing. They were driving a Range Rover that they'd purchased. Mm-hmm. And then on the day of the heist, he parks that Range Rover somewhere and says, Hey, Ma, I'm going to borrow the van. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why'd you buy the Range Rover? Unless it's like to throw the cops off your tail and that you've been speeding. The van might drive differently. You've been speeding for weeks on end. Maybe. And now the cops know you. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just haven't. Yeah. Also, that's not a good plot. A good um, idea. Good idea. To just speed frequently in the weeks leading up to the heist. This, yeah. You again. Oh, you know me. I always speed. Yeah. There's, why are there three other dudes that look like old people in your car? <laughs> I like to speed with old men. Why? Why do you look like an old person? You've aged. <laughs> yeah. Speed ages you. Speed ages you a lot. Is that a quantum physics joke? I think you could you could label it as a quantum you physics could? joke. You could? Alright. I loved when he was doing his rowing machine, just that big fuck off water bottle he had. Oh, I love that it's just a big water bottle. I don't know why I love that so much. It's like it's like a four liter fucking. But that's a realistic thing. I'm like, you do that. Yeah, he would be doing that. He's sweating yeah. he's sweating like crazy. That's so good. And what? it's almost finished. I like that. It's the, almost empty. Yeah. Mm. The I like to think that they filmed for three hours of him just rowing and drinking and rowing and drinking. This oh. is probably one of the best films I've ever seen. You reckon? Yep. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's made me f- it's made me feel more than <laughs> hardly any other movie. Yeah. I've been thinking about it for a very long time. It is accessing emotions and feelings that I didn't know existed out there in the world. That feeling of coming up with an idea and thinking this would be mental if we actually went through with it. And then actually and that, going through with it. Just that frisson of excitement of, oh, I'm actually about to come into contact with the real world. This isn't going to be something that just exists in my mind. I'm actually walking out the door and doing something is so powerful and would be so difficult to capture on film and show to people. And I think they've managed to do it in this. Really, for me I really like that you're, you, you've you become so attached to this I'm very very deeply attached that makes me quite happy and what's so freaking great about it is it achieves all of that before the heist it's ticked yeah. all these boxes for him before. it's already an amazing film and it's it's wound up this sucker punch they've been winding up their arm the whole movie and then it actually delivers as well they actually just show you every second of the heist and it's as crazy and terrible 
as you thought it was going to be and it just socks you with everything you th- was well, everything you were hoping it was going to give you and when he gets back in the car and just sprays vomit over the dashboard it's like yes this is a this was worth it this has been worth the ride <laughs> this is so intense i loved the fact that the first attempt didn't work it was still labeled the day of the robbery. Yeah, isn't that a smart little move? And then it didn't work, and then they left, and then you're like, and it's, and he does the little thing. It was just a great feeling knowing we'd done nothing wrong, mm. and it was over. We never had to think about it again. Because it pulls the rug out from your feet. Because in the trailer and in the beginning of the movie, they're set up. They're walking in as old men as the heist. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is going to happen here? They're dressed as old men. This is terrible. So you think you know where it's going. It was, and then was, you're just in really new territory from then on. And like, well, what's actually going to happen? I also thought for a split second there, when, when, when he got there on, on the actual day of the heist, the second day, um, that he hadn't made a booking. He hadn't called up when they pulled over at the thing. Okay. And that he was just there because she frowned at him. Yeah. And I'm like, so he hasn't even booked this. He's just going to hurt this lady. And I had a, a moment of panic thinking, I didn't think he was that kind of person. You had then, a moment of panic? And then he had a booking and she's like, oh, okay. And I was a little bit more calm. Like there was that oh. split second where she's frowned upon him, this random dude knocking on her door mm. and he, he doesn't have a booking. He's just going to hurt this lady. Just how tense and extreme they make it just you're just filming a guy walking into a library. He does walk into, and you. It's just one of the most intense things I've ever watched because you know what it means. It's not about what's on the screen. It's about what's. It's about what what is on the screen means in the context of the story, and you know he's never been in there before, but he's thought about this for months. He's looked at the diorama. This is the first time he's actually seeing the library with his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know he's thirty one. That actor. Um. Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. But playing a 20 year old very effectively. Hashtag acting. Yeah, good acting. Youthful. Youth. He's an he's a eternal mm. youth. I also like when he's in the bath the night before, he's listening to self affirmation tapes. <laughs> you can just hear what's going through his headphones and it's saying, All limitations are self imposed. <laughs> he's like doing a meditation <laughs> to prepare for the day ahead. Oh. Uh, but that's and that's that's one nitpick that I have with the film mm. is the speech he does once he gets out of the bath and is yelling at his friend saying your life is going to be shit you're always going to worry about that that conversation is not realistic people don't have conversations like that like, I suppose I say I'm out of the, of the thing and the other dude is not going to give him a pep talk in the real world people don't give pep talks like that I, I bought it from Warren's character. Like It made sense in the film, the way his character has been set up and the way the situation has been set up. It makes up. sense in the film. What, Warren is deeply invested in him doing it for emotional as well as practical reasons. And that sounded like just the sort of thing he would say because that's his whole life philosophy. What I also love is that is a monologue that you hear in films very, very often where you've got to follow through, you know, you've got to find out what's on the other side of this line, you know, you've got to... You know, See, you've got to why, do it. But in like most it. films, it works out in their favour. <laughs> it's about them, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
screwing their courage yes, to the sticking. Coach, I will go play the next half. Yeah, this game. screwing their courage to the sticking place and doing what needs to be done, and they succeed. And in this, it's like, no, sometimes if you do that, it'll just be terrible, and you shouldn't have done it, and you should have just been a cog in the machine and kept your parents happy because now everything is terrible. And yeah, you've learned some things, but an old lady had to get electrocuted for it, so it probably wasn't worth it. It's also... such a confusing array of emotions. <laughs> I I really didn't enjoy seeing what happened to Betty happen to Betty. No, you're not fucking meant to. I know you're not meant to, but gee. And it's not, like, overly violent. No, it's, that's the her, thing. She says that hurts yeah. and moans for a little while. But it's, like, that's so realistic. Yeah. Because violence doesn't have to be violence. Well, isn't that the other great achievement of this film with audiences that are so saturated by violence yeah where we just see people getting ripped to shreds and eaten and torn apart and blown up all day every day on in films and tv mm-hmm. but it's not about what's actually happening it's about the fact that it's affecting all of these people's lives yeah it's about what it means in the context of the story so the punisher can do whatever the punisher does as like oh yeah go the punisher and you just go back to whatever it was you were doing but this affects you. If you create it in the context of this story, any little piece of violence has huge stakes and huge consequences and is terrible. And you feel it because it's as if you were actually doing it. And you realize how desensitized you haven't become. You realize you've just become desensitized to stupid movie violence. And if you were ever actually to do something violent, it would be an incredibly intense experience that you wouldn't really get over. And this is a really good counterpoint to, you know, movies like Ocean's Eleven which I love I love those kind of kind of heist sort of more sort of goofy like ba 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 da ba heist films where everything's fine <laughs> um, well they have a nice twist there was a nice twist where was I going with it it was it was, a, there, it was a nice twist in that it's a counterpoint to that because violence is it because of the terrible ending that they all brought upon themselves well that as well because crime doesn't pay I mean have you well, seen Catch Me If You Can crime doesn't yeah. pay no, it does sometimes for some people, but we never. Well, it, well, technically, crime crime paid him, but then he made up for it and then paid it all back. But then he made millions again. This is Catch Me If You Can, by the way. Sure, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for Catch Me If You Can. They caught. They ca- They caught. But it did come Tom out Hanks, before Hanks, this heist was done, so you should have seen it. Tom already. Hanks did catch him. <laughs> um, he could. Um, he could. So but he then did. The cap. The the character of what's his face. DiCaprio. DiCaprio's character. Um, in the real in the real world, got caught, went to jail, got out of jail, worked for the FBI for a bit, designed checks, and now he earns millions of dollars every year because banks buy the checks that he designed. <laughs> like that's the thing that happened in the real world. Well, he has a skill set. He does. And he should use he it. He developed his skill set. He went to college for criminals. But these guys aren't really. These doing, guys. They, they, crime they, is never going to pay these crime guys. Crime didn't pay them in the first place, so they can't get crime to pay them now. <laughs> Well, you know, they might make something out of this movie. I like, the, I like to think that there was several months between them getting caught and then doing it, so those books just laid under ah, his bed for, like, ages. That's where I was going with it. It's the counterpoint to those movies because it takes you into the detail of, okay, you're planning it, that's all kind of fun, but then, okay, it's the day of, and you actually have to get ready, and they have to put the makeup on, mm. and they have to sit in the car on the drive there and think about what they're about to do. Then they have to actually do it, 
then they have to get away then they have to do something with what it is they have stolen yeah. and then they just have to live their lives with what they have done and they and it makes you go through all of that as if to be like see it's not good is it it's not fun it's not cool to do all of this stuff and it's but yeah it's just the real experience too. planning a heist is we've had fun doing it in the last hour everyone loves everyone loves to plan a heist <laughs> but actually doing we could all plan a hundred heists see yeah. But we don't want to find out what's on the other side of that line because it's I probably prison. And I've got a lot going on out here that I'm I couldn't keep you going. Do. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I might do it. I think I think I'd do I think you know, I'd... this film has has taught me some things. I think I'd flourish in prison. I mean if I didn't invite three other people into my heist, I'd be fine. <laughs> the, I don't have to rely on other people's stupidity. I think the only the other criticism you could make, and it's not a criticism, but it's just a point that it does the cliche of introducing a character who this character's thing is they're smart so we introduce them in a lecture theater where they're not listening and the lecturer asks them a question and, and they give a really it. smart reply that embarrasses the lecturer and therefore it is established that they're smart <laughs> I'm like, like they did it very well and they get it away was, with it yeah. but looking back at it it's like, oh you're, see, you're so they're so inventive every other step of the way i don't know why they chucked that in there like the monologue that I didn't really enjoy and like I it is one of the most movie like moments of the movie it's a very movie like thing um, one thing I did love was at the start when their characters would be saying something um, like the, the 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 whole one of them might re- remember it in a certain way and the other one was in a different way but then their modern their actual people yeah. would converse with the people playing them like yeah. for little bits of, and like the dialogue would continue between one guy's thing and the next guy's thing and yeah. it was just really well written and yeah. edited like just to fit I, I think that was that's something you've never seen before yeah never seen that before it's very cool in that scene where he goes into the gas station and he's in the car just thinking about it and he talks to his real yeah, counterpart his real self is there. It's cool. when he's in the gas station it's real him standing in front I of him in line too, yeah, yeah. Mm. that's just a little extra bit I was expecting a line yeah but like, no it's just standing there yeah, and there's just so much going on about what the reality of but the that, film that is. that also makes me think a lot of what real them said mm. in their interviews mm-hmm. has to have been edited because real them are not actors. Real, mm. Because real people don't talk like that. They don't talk well, at the right time. And yeah, well, I, that's why I think maybe this was something they did say in an interview and now they're rereading it. Yeah, they would be. In the in in the which studio, is which is still which it's is still okay, and I th- and I think some of that was only true for some of it. I think the parts where he's intercutting it, the two different narratives, those fe- that sounded stage. Yeah. That's well, that sounded un- unnatural. Yeah. yeah, but then other parts sounded very natural. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, yeah, it fun, it's hashtag recommended. It's got it's a heist comedy horror in a lot of ways With, I think it accesses the, what the horror would be of well, well that's the thing I was like I was interested to see how much you would laugh at it because I think it's got a lot of com- it's got I, a lot of comedy in I it I laughed at were just like things that I really enjoy about filmmaking like just mm-hmm. little things and things that I, mm-hmm. I really like about film mm-hmm. that's what I laugh at quietly and like tap you on the shoulder the, a line I really liked, I don't even know why I liked it, when he goes to Amsterdam and he meets the two guys and he goes, you have some books and you have some paintings. That <laughs> 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 just made me jump. Like, yep. Like, I do. Yes, yes I do. Yeah. 
I like also when the when they're in the elevator panicking, like as you would, but you wouldn't because you you've thought about this enough. No one else is coming. She doesn't have any other bookings today. It's not as though someone's going to come to the door. You've hidden her behind a desk. There's not a mess in this room. Mm. The only glass you've broken is over out of the way. No one's going to like look through those doors and see things have happened. Yeah. You could take your dog. Yeah, if they walked hit. around normally, yeah. then they're not it conspicuous. But when he presses the button and it opens and one girl looks, and they're like, okay. But they didn't make noise. It's a library. People continue their own lives. Yeah. They go down and they come back up the thing and then everybody looks that that's not a thing that would have happened in the real world I, like, I, I liked I liked the one person looking I, I loved it and but then, it's that's just not something but that it, would have happened okay I thought it was just I thought it was just about subtle enough where there's just this little bit of hubbub developing where there's these two sweaty guys in suits yeah. <laughs> running really fast out the door like again if they just walked calmly uh, like uh, we're meant to be here to like that we're gonna have to make a run for it they went out the fire, went exit. the fire exit. They could have just gone, if they're making a run for it, straight through the front doors, straight yeah. into the car. It was not the perfect crime. It was not. It was, Well, it was... I, I, I agree that it was a very simple crime that they got very, very wrong. Yeah. Imagine what good criminals could have done with that opportunity. They sh- the you know what they should have done? I've just sold that idea. <laughs> <laughs> For, for, been... for 10% of what you steal, we'll give you this opportunity to do the, <laughs> do the heist. That's still like a million bucks. Exactly. And college students in 2004 could have done with a million mm. bucks. Yeah. But no, I feel it. I felt where this movie was coming from in a lot of ways. Yeah? Yeah. We're not going to plan a heist. I like to no. make a disclaimer right now. We're not going to plan a heist. No. Wink. <laughs> Well, don't wink, because then when they play this in court, uh, it will no. not be as convincing an alibi as we want it to be. So this is just us saying now that we are not planning to heist anything, no matter how easy or simple June it might 13th be. Next year. No, because because we will be hanging out together, Here. and we will be an alibi for one another. Yeah. So that's how that. How could it have been us? How could it have been us? We There's were. no. The only evidence is us sitting here saying we're not going to do a heist. So let's just. Put that to bed. Or we're just sitting here how much saying how much we hate heists. That's I all we're saying. Ha- I hate heists. Oh. I could never be a person who does heists. <laughs> it's a fun word. <laughs> Said heist I'm too many times. I'm afraid of heists. <laughs> hey, Jim, heist. <laughs> uh, okay. How many, how many popcorns out of ten for you? Um... I'll give it a nine, actually. Yeah. I don't find anything wrong with the filmmaking at all. No. It was just, it was just well done. The story was great. The acting was great. Nobody let it down. No. Like, not even... Like, you know when you see some documentary films and you just... Yeah, they're real people speaking about their lives. Mm. And you're like, okay, that's good. Yeah. There was none of that because they were real people, but they were edited to sound nice that was the other thing I thought the librarian the actress playing the librarian do you know her? she's familiar but no she's been she's gotten big in a couple of TV shows recently she was big in um, The Leftovers and then in The Handmaid's Tale more recently and she always plays bad bad characters basically yeah like villainous characters so I think that was a smart piece of casting as well because that 
as an audience member, just tilts you against her a little bit. Like, I'm not that sympathetic for Anne Dowd. She's always super mean in things. So it just puts you a little bit more, makes you, if, as an audience member, if you know that actor, you're slightly more likely to side with the heisters. Yeah. And then you're even more punched in the gut when you see what happens to her. And you think, oh God, this is terrible. So mm. I thought that was really smart casting as well. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I think I've, I think we've exorcised the, the the demons from that film. I think I'm good now. Okay. Um, I'm a, I'm a nine out of nine out of ten on that one as well. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the sequel. I don't think there will be a sequel. prison movie. I don't think that's going to be a thing. Prison movie. Prison together. So it's just four, you just want four, four different stories. I want four interconnected stories based on BJ's letters with them all. I don't think she'd send letters to them all. I think he's the only one. I'm not. I don't want to know what actually happened, Isaac. I want. I'm just saying that would be a good film. It, it wouldn't though. Yeah, it would. It wouldn't though, because as they spoke in the film about Shawshank Redemption, they have to be in prison or for ages. The new heist they've all planned since being released from prison. This Four time, heists. this time they're gonna do it right. Are they going to steal the same books? Yes. <laughs> BJ. BJ's still there. <laughs> They're not going to fuck it up this well, time. Well, he spent the last 14 years becoming friends with it's, BJ it's a, trying well, to make up for what they did. He's, been he's, the, he's in. He's been in that library. He works there now. <laughs> and one day he's just tied up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, how tempting would it be? <laughs> it would be tempting. <laughs> it would not be tempting. <laughs> he's like, you know what? I'm going to get those fucking books. <laughs> I'm gonna... I deserve those books. Well, no, it would be great because in that movie, at some point, someone would be like, How long did you spend planning this? And they'd be like, Seven years, six months, four days, like in Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. Well, it's been 14 years now since the heist happened. The first one? Yeah, so that's how long they've been planning it. Well, the second one might have already happened, and just no one's noticed the brilliant replicas they placed there. He's an artist. Cause he's no a, one's ever asked he's an artist in. who specializes in birds, Isaac. It BJ's all fits together. Because <gasps> she never offers to change the page anymore. Because he only had to do one painting. They develop a relationship with BJ in prison through letters. Now he then, develops, he and BJ are the okay. only two that did it. And then what? Well, no, the, he develops that relationship, and then after they all get released, Warren is now in debt to some hardcore criminals through his time in prison. Like for protection? Yeah, like so just a bunch of shit went down in jail, so now he's involved with this gang and he can't get out. So now they need a bunch of money. So like Dunkirk goes, goes to BJ, he's like, BJ, gotta help us out, man. We gotta get those books. And BJ helps them steal the books so they can pay off Warren's gang. Mmm! That'd be so good. <laughs> Because it's also all about how now through being through going to prison they haven't been rehabilitated they've been criminalised and have been yet further involved in the criminal underworld than they would have been if and they hadn't been in jail for so long. The, the one oh. thing that happened to BJ didn't heal BJ it just made her yeah made her weirdly sympathetic to their motivations. She's got Helsinki syndrome. Is that Helsinki syndrome? It's not called Helsinki. Stockholm. Stockholm. <laughs> Stockholm I call it Helsinki syndrome. She's got Tokyo syndrome. That's Which is, just so we all know, just so we have like a, for future podcasts, Yeah. Die Hard is a 10, 10 out of 10 popcorn movie. Right. So that's the, 
Die Hard is the pinnacle of filmmaking, in my opinion. And yeah. it's not really my opinion, it's like fact, but... Yeah, in your fact... In, in, in my fact, Die, it is Die the, Hard is... The pinnacle, yeah. The pinnacle. Well, I'm glad we mentioned that, because I don't know if you know this, but up till now we have mentioned Die Hard organically in conversation on every episode. It's just it's just come up in our conversations (laughs) about every other movie, and it hasn't been on purpose. So I was worried we weren't going to do it this time. All right, I think we've done it. I think we've talked about that film. We have talked quite a lot about that film. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. If you've been enjoying the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Exceptional Pod, where we'll be posting all the episodes and other thoughts about films. And coming up, we're going to do some of our rewrite episodes. We've got. Plans for a rewrite of Suicide Squad. Which will be better than Suicide Squad. Not that that's difficult. No, no. Well, you could not write anything and that nothing would, would be better. Yeah, they, so they there's could that. not have done that. <laughs> you know what would be better if you'd done nothing? If you all just stayed home <laughs> in a, some sort of suicide well, pact. I think the casting... Suicide pact, that's the sequel. Casting people did a lovely job. Well, everyone in that Well, film. no, but in our version, it's completely recast. No, but in, in, everyone in that film... It's just the people who wrote that film and directed that film and decided that that film would be a thing. And edited that film. Were a bunch of dicks. Oh, we never even talked about the soundtrack. Such a good soundtrack. In oh, this movie. Ooh, soundtrack. Mm. Um, yep, yeah, so we've got Rewrite to Suicide Squad, Independence Day Resurgence. Yep. We want to do one for the new Tom Cruise Mummy movie. But we're there's finding... nothing wrong with the new... <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to rewrite perfection, but we're going to try and do it. So... All right, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll have this for you soon. I wish you guys are ready. Bye.